Hello and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 164. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing the original series' second season episodes, Journey to Babel, Friday's Child, and The Deadly Years. Here we go. Journey to Babel, Season 2, Episode 10, Production Code 044. Original air date, November 17, 1967. Directed by Joseph Pevney, written by D.C. Fontana, music composed by Gerald Freed. Guest cast include Mark Leonard as Ambassador Sarek, Jane Wyatt as Amanda, John Wheeler as Ambassador Gav, Reggie Nalder as Shraz, William O'Connell as Thalev, Billy Curtis as Ambassador, James Mitchell as Josephs, Frank DaVinci as Vulcan Aide, and William Blackburn as Lieutenant Hadley. The Enterprise is transporting Federation ambassadors to the Babel, con- Babel concert- Conference to discuss the admission of the Quadrant system into the Federation. Ambassador Sarek from Vulcan boards with his human wife, Amanda. Captain Kirk learns to his surprise they are Spock's parents. Kirk is also taken aback by how coldly Sarek views his own son, apparently because Spock chose to devote his life to Starfleet instead of the Vulcan Science Academy against Sarek's wishes. Starfleet forces use only as a last resort. We're an instrument of civilization. And it's a better opportunity for a scientist to study the universe than he could get at the Vulcan Science Academy. Perhaps. But Sarek wanted Spark to follow his teachings as Sarek followed the teachings of his own father. They're both stubborn. A human trait, Captain? God, I love this episode. This episode's so good. Uh, but you know what? I've, I noticed every time we do a really amazing episode, I like totally monopolize the beginning of the discussion. <laughs> I won't do that this time. Um, Steve, why don't you kick us off on Journey to Babel? Uh, well, I, I too really like this episode. Um, obviously very, very memorable. Um, it's got a lot of, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's good as in terms of like its pacing and it's in the action and the feel and just in, engaging to watch. But of course it's got for Trek fans, it's got so much, um, so much information and so much Trek lore and so forth in there. You've got, of course, uh, Spock's parents, you've got these, these and the Andorians, Tellarites, the Vulcans, the you know this this conference. You've got information about all these races. You've got um, kind of the the diplomatic intrigue and action and uh, you know and and all and again at the heart of it is Spock and and the relationship with his uh, family and his crewmates and you know just just all around entertaining and a lot of. A lot of great stuff for Trek fans too. I, I I've I've always loved this episode. It's interesting how this is another one of those where I think you, you can enjoy it when you're younger and as you get as you age, uh, you find different things to love about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm still doing that. And it's it's just it's such a great episode. Adam, your first thoughts, Journey to Babel. Yeah, first there's. <laughs> Yeah, I'd agree with Steve and you. Yeah, this is for all, for all the same reasons. Um, I won't I won't repeat them. There are two things that make me. Um, there's an incredibly laugh out loud moment in this episode, so I'm just kind of going off a little bit. Um, and then there's the. Um, I'm always a little bit surprised every time I see this episode that Kirk doesn't know who Spock's parents are by this time. I would I would have thought at some point he would have at least read you know like a, a <laughs> yeah, profile yeah. of you that know who his first, <laughs> it was first officer is and who his parents are. So I always find that odd. But anyway, that's not a big deal. And then the butt slam that Kirk gives to the Andorian 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like his, his feet hit the wall. Yeah, yeah like... the foot comes right down on him. It's a total, total laugh out loud. So I just kind of wanted to take it off, off track there a little bit. But yeah, I, I definitely love this episode because um, I was thinking about this one, you know, watching this episode, I think of all the, at least the original series characters, even more so than Kirk, we, we get so much backstory in Spock, you know, we, his family, um, you know, and the society and, you know, in society. And I think this just, just comes from being, you know, the Vulcan and kind of the, the odd person out. They have to, like, explain this person a little bit more and this character, who he is and where he comes from. But they do such a good job of it. It's always rich and dynamic. Um, the relationship with his father, you get to learn the Vulcan culture and how steadfast it is. I, I love the stuff in this episode where, you know, Spock, you know, he wants to help save his father's life, even though it's life-threatening, and then he has to put his duties ahead ahead of all that because, you know, Kirk is incapacitated and, you know, he's right. Um, you know, the ship comes first, his crew comes first and they're not, it's not under normal circumstances where you can just hand it over. So I love that. Um, I love that kind of that internal debate you get to see with, within Spock and, you know, with his mother and those around him urging him to give up command, but he, but he can't and he's, and he's right not to. Yeah. This episode, really makes you love Spock, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I was thinking when I was watching it. I mean, aside from from giving you this backstory about him, you know, and this, this relationship he has with his parents, it really makes you under, help understand him and sympathize with him and respect him when he makes those choices. You know, he's immediately like, you know, take my blood. And then he's immediately like, nope, can't do it now. Um, you know but it's it all makes sense and and you understand why spock would make these choices it just makes you really really love him if you didn't before you do now but there are uh i think you know steve you hinted at this there are all these like trek things in this episode that are so great too you know we've never seen all these different aliens before we get all this information about the federation and you know just the whole concept of of someone joining the Federation and that that's, that is an ordeal requiring, you know, members to debate this, but it is kind of this mini version of, you know, of of Gene's philosophy about cooperation. And this episode, it, it like, it's subtly in the background, it subtly explains so much about life in the Federation and how things work this 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 extrapolation from where we are now it, it's it's such a great episode in so many ways and it and it the other thing I was thinking about when I was watching this that I'm not sure I ever thought before but it this, these kinds of thoughts are appropriate like how you know now that we've hit 50 years on these things how well that this episode holds up even some of my other favorite episodes yeah, I don't know we did metamorphosis last time right yeah I love Metamorphosis. I talked much about how much I love Metamorphosis, mm-hmm. but it does feel like dated. You know, some of the, some of that episode, you can certainly tell it was made. This episode, you know, I think you could remake this episode almost exactly as is mm-hmm. today, and it would work fine. You probably you wouldn't even notice anything, you know, which is amazing. I was trying to think if I could really say that about some of the other. There, it's a it's a small number of episodes that you could say that about. I mean, you can't say that about a lot of next-gen episodes, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty amazing thing about Journey to Babel. Um, it also has, like, you know, the, the jokey end 
that so many Star Trek original series episodes have. We've we've made fun of that a little bit. Mm-hmm. In a loving way, of course. Uh, this episode is one of the few times where I think it works beautifully and it makes me laugh out loud every time. <laughs> There's a bit with, with Sarek and Spock. Why did you marry her? It was the logical thing. I mean, that, that whole bit is funny. But then right after that, you know, Kirk saying, I think you're enjoying this to, to McCoy. And Spock says, I don't think I've ever seen him as happy or something like that. And then that shot of... of uh, D. Kelly smiling, you know, I finally got the last word or something. And mm-hmm. I, I, I think I've said this before too, but he, D. Kelly, when he smiles, I mean, it's like the warmest, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. most honest, genuine smile I've ever seen from a human being. And if you don't feel good seeing him smile, um, you're dead inside. <laughs> um, <laughs> so him doing that at the end of this episode... Oh, it's it's wonderful, and it's it's one of the few times where I love the little jokey end, you know. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I was gonna say, you know, Sarek really should think twice about going on long voyages, ambassador voyages. He doesn't seem to do too well in any of the episodes yeah. he does this. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and that that and that sums up right there the holes in the whole. Um, uh, you know, hiding emotion. I mean, you know, they have emotion, they're just suppressing it, and the logic thing is because how many times have we seen pride get in the way of that? I mean, is there logic in, you know, not telling anyone about a medical condition that can incapacitate you on important, you know, on an important mission? You know, but it's not the first time we've seen that, or maybe it is the first time. Well, and we will see it the many last times time. after. Yes, yeah, we see it a lot. <laughs> see it a lot. <laughs> well, I do want to want to talk for a second about. I mean, Leonard is so good. Mark Leonard is so good as mm-hmm. Sarek. And Amanda Wyatt is so good. Or Amanda Wyatt. Haha. That's how good she is. Jane Wyatt is so good as Amanda. Um, and they're so great together. Yeah. I, I talk about how much I love this episode, how well it works that you could do it today and it would work. How much of that is because they are so, so good. And of course, Nimoy is amazing too in his scenes with each of them. But it's all these incredible performances, perfect casting. Really great, wonderful performances that that make me believe in these characters. You'll like this, Brian. You know, when I first saw um Mark and Shatner together in this episode, it just brought me straight to Star Trek three. You know, that great scene that it was one of my favorite scenes in all the series, yeah. you know, where Sarah gives the the mind meld to Kirk and they go replay that whole you know, when Spock died. Your son meant more to me than you can know. I would have given my life to save him. Right. Yeah. It's a great so it was kind of cool seeing them together going, okay, yeah, this is, yeah, just takes me right back to, it was a great, great, great scene between those two in Star Trek Three. And it's so, you know, it's so hard to do coming on as a guest actor, especially. I mean, we talked about already how they kind of hit the ground running in the, in the series that we take for granted because it's just, you know, it's always in our minds. We've always known these actors as these characters and this kind of thing. But they they did so well in starting so strongly. But then it's it's so much more difficult and just coming on as a as a guest actor and then doing something that actually feels believable and in the mix of everything, right? And how crucial is it to this episode and the Trek universe as a whole that the the actors playing Spock's parents, who we see again. Um, that they they are have so believable and so good, you know, and it just it just really takes it to the next level. This is certainly in my top ten favorite episodes for this series, and I, mm-hmm. I would agree with with 
if you were making a very short list of episodes you needed to watch, say, of the original series to understand Star Trek uh, and, and the original series, this would certainly be mm. even higher on that very short list, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, this, this episode covers so many bases. It covers the, you know, you get an understanding of the Federation and how it works and, you know, a lot of character in-depth analysis. So I'd agree. It's the kind of thing, you know, you're halfway into the second season or more. Yeah, no, that's about right. Uh, you just like, oh, yeah. Star Trek had a lot of great episodes. I mean, not just good, <laughs> incredible, amazing episodes, and that's why we're still talking about it 50 years later. Uh, what's this episode about, guys? At the end, of, it's about family, and I guess kind of where you're not—I don't know—priorities is the right word I'm looking for, but like you know, you know, duty, 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 honor, and family, and you know how those all interact with each other, and what should be important what your responsibilities are for each of them and when they should be put first yeah i agree and and how how complex that can be you know i mean spock has his family family then he's got his ship family and he's got his duties and uh you know you really can't while he gets um you know his his mother you know can't understand how he could just well, no, I've got to I've got to attend to the ship now. Um, when the situation comes up as it does, you know, it like as as we've already alluded to, it, for Spock, it totally makes sense. For Vulcans, it totally makes sense. You buy it, and you also understand even from even if you even if you weren't a Vulcan, you know, you have all those lives at stake. Anyway, the point is is that it's a complex thing. You know, the duties you have to different priorities in your life, and how you know complex that can be, and with family and friends and work and so on. Awesome. Well, this is one of those episodes I will be watching as long as I can watch television. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do Six Degrees for Journey to Babel. Uh, Adam. Yes. Jane Wyatt plays Amanda, Spock's mommy, in this episode in 1967. She also played Amanda in Star Trek Four. What year did that film come out? Star Trek Four. Um, I want to say nineteen eighty-six. You are correct, Steve. Mark Leonard plays Sarek. Leonard played. You probably thought I was going to ask about Balance of Terror, but nope, because I'm positive <laughs> I've asked about that fifty billion times. Leonard played a Klingon in which Star Trek feature? Oh, uh, the motion picture. Yeah, very good. One to one. I thought I was going to make them harder this week. <laughs> I have failed. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Friday's Child, Season 2, Episode 11, Production Code 032, Original Air Date, December 1st, 1967. Directed by Joseph Pevney, written by D.C. Fontana, music composed by Gerald Freed. Guest cast include Julie Newmar as Aline, Michael Dante as Maab, Teague Andrews as Cross, Ben Gage as Akar, Kyle Boulder as Keel, Robert Blauvler as Ensign Grant, Kirk Raymond as Dewar, Eddie Paskey as Lieutenant Leslie, William Blackburn as Lieutenant Hadley, and Walter Edmiston as voice of S.S. Deirdre. In orbit around Capella, the Enterprise is there to, to negotiate a mining contract for Topaline. The Capanellian inhabitants are described by Dr. McCoy, who has dealt with them in the past, as strong warlike humanoids who average seven feet in height. And despite their violent tendencies, the Capanellians do have a strong sense of honesty. Kirk is also aware that the Capanellians are known to have dealings with the Klingons, which could make the negotiations difficult. 
No, no, Mr. Spock, that isn't the way you place this arm under here to support its back and this hand here to I support its rather, head. I would rather not. Thank you. Friday's Child. Adam, would you like to kick us off on Friday's Child? Friday's Child. Overall, I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was entertaining. I think it's got some holes. It's by no means a perfect episode, but... um. I um you know I enjoyed the intrigue on the planet you know you have Klingons you got some stuff going on up in space with the Enterprise playing cat and mouse with a Klingon ship um so um there's a lot going on in this episode it's got some action it's got some interesting aliens that they have to deal with um I don't know why they went with the seven feet tall scenario because they're never really that tall they're actually on the planet but okay. <laughs> Um, some of the problems that I have with it, um, it kind of drags in some areas. I mean, you got the Enterprise going on a wild goose chase for way too long. I thought it kind that kind of drug on. Yeah, I mean, after the after the first section uh, scenes where you show that, you're like, oh yeah, it's it's a it's a trick, and you're like, and then each time you go back, like ten times, okay, it was at least five times or something crazy. You're like, uh, how has Scotty not figured this out? Yeah, that, that that drug on too long. Way too long. Some things kind of drug on. To me, some other stuff drug on when they're in the mountains. It just seems like they have Kirk jumping around, going through caves. And it was just like, what is, what is he doing? You know, so there's some of this episode that kind of drags. I don't know why, because I think they had a lot, a lot there to do, but it just kind of drags in some areas. Um, so those are some of the problems I have with the episode. But overall, like I said, I, I enjoyed it. It definitely has... Um, scenes that I like, or more moments that I like. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of an average episode. I don't think it's bad by any means, but I don't think it's great. You know, I think there's it's it's silly. There's a lot of silliness. You know, there's like, yeah, it's kind of like you said, it's moments. I mean, there there's some things I like, and there's some things I think are silly, and it's just kind of. Um, it just kind of goes, you know. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like there's really a big. To me, there's not like a big message here or something, you know, it's, it's, it just kind of, sometimes it's dragging, sometimes it looks like they're trying to fill time, um, it's hard to understand what the point of it is. Right from the outset, these Capellans, are they? Yeah. I think they're just lamos. Mm-hmm. Like, everything about them is just kind of lame. The, the design, the people, they don't, there's nothing interesting about them. They don't have any. There's nothing unique about them. It's all like they're just lame. They're lame, and I think that messes up that kind of the whole show for me. I don't really understand why anybody's doing anything because they're just lamos. You know, when when you have some well-defined species, they have these specific traits or whatever. I mean, even the guys in the apple were better to find i think than these guys well it, yeah it's kind of strange because you, you see like okay let's go check out these people you know and then they have the footage of oh i spent some time with them and you're kind of wondering why you know like what was what was the big deal here <laughs> these big guys who toss their little knife thingies and and <laughs> the, the, the i get cracked up there's a lot of things that get cracked up i think kind of in this one but you know you have the uh, towards the beginning you know when the first red shirt he gets killed with the thing and, and Kirk's <laughs> pose or whatever when he falls to the ground it's kind of like this just drops him <laughs> yeah it's kind of like this open arm like I dropped him or I'm kind of it's I don't know what it is but it, it cracks me up <laughs> Kirk stops that pregnant woman from getting killed and then she's like kill him first and I was like way to say thanks lady <laughs> yeah yeah nice yeah uh, well I know one thing I, I thought was 
funny. Uh, every time somebody says something to mob, it sounds like Bob. It sounds like Bob. <laughs> Doesn't it sound like Bob? And that's way better. But if they, if they would just call him Bob, it would transform the whole episode. He wouldn't be lame anymore. He would be Bob. <laughs> You know who you was would remember lame? this episode. Oh, that's the one with Bob. <laughs> you know what else also kind of hurts this episode? You know what's, who's lame in this episode? The Klingons. They're kind of late, though. The guy's kind of weaselly. He's more, yeah, he's yeah, more fringy yeah. than he is Klingon. Yeah, even for original series, he's like a weaselly Klingon. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm just trying to find something positive, but I, I almost enjoyed that just because he was. He was a little different from some of the Klingons. Like, yeah. Like other Klingons, they were mostly defined by the incredible actor playing it. Mm-hmm. You know, but this 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 guy, he was not an incredible actor, but he took it in kind of a different direction. And somehow, I always I seem to always remember him. Um, and I think I'll have the same opinion in for the for the deadly years. I I think this episode could have been better. I think they just kind of meandered from time to time. They didn't quite have a direction. I think Steve's right. We're gonna kind of have a tough time talking about what this episode's about and this probably just kind of lacked some focus. There's like a I don't even remember but there's a scene that hasn't it's not related to anything and then all of a sudden we cut and we're in the middle of a battle near the beginning when Akaar is killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. No we don't see that or anything but I was just kind of wondering is this just like a normal they don't there's no setup to this we don't even really know what the fight was about except it's maybe it's Bob trying to take over from Akaar <laughs> I guess. Yeah. But that's not made. That's not really made clear. It's made clear that he gets to take over after Akar is killed. But that's insinuated. The whole, you know, like I'm that's what this is. Just like a little clue. Is this just since there's no? Is this just daily life for them? Oh, here goes another fight to the death with everybody. All of a sudden, I guess. That just I don't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like trying to, to some extent. It's trying to like find excuses for weird customs and rituals to some extent too. You know, it's like, oh yeah, yes, well, yes, yes. she. Uh, she has to show up and be willing to die, even though she has an unborn child in her, because that's the way it. You know, I don't know. It's just one thing. But after it's her. not. It's not that. You know, if if it if they really stuck to it, maybe it would be maybe it would be worth something. Imagine if a Klingon woman said, you know, I deserve to die, or you know, she would die. <laughs> you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There, there would be a conviction uh, that would that would be part of the definition of the character. Mm-hmm. And here, like you said, it's just it's just a throwaway thing to be weird. They don't really stick to it. It's, there's no conviction. Now, um, I had this down. I was a little confused. So, like, they were going to kill her, like, right there in front of everybody. And, you know, and then Kurt jumps in, and they have their little fight scene. And then she's like, well, kill him now. And then the next scene, and they're all tied up in a tent. Why wouldn't they just kill him there? I don't know. It just didn't right, if they got him all tied It's true. If they got him all tied up and subdued, then they could have killed her then. I don't know. Or why didn't they just kill Kirk on the spot? You know, it just seemed like. Mm-hmm. Why do you need to go tie? Are they going to tie him up? And I don't know. That, didn't, that wasn't explained either. I was like, that's kind of weird. But, you know, you obviously can't kill Kirk on the spot because then you would, wouldn't have a show anymore. I like the fact that she's pregnant. And I thought that was kind of interesting and unique, especially for, you know, 60s television. And, yeah, yeah. Um, the fact that McCoy helps her give birth. I mean, of course, mm-hmm. I wouldn't expect to see anything, but... I mean that's all kind of interesting. I like some of the writing there. There's there's a nice little bit, Kirk. It's just the relationship, which when I mean, we get that in plenty of other episodes. But the Kirk says something about 
how did you get her on her side or something? Right hook. Mm-hmm. Never seen a right, a right cross. Never seen a right cross in a medical book. It's in mine from now on. And that's, that's it. That's that, mm-hmm. it's like that's like a moment that I like. When I was saying there are moments that I like. There's a moment that I really like. I like the end the end scene where Spock is annoyed that the child was named after Kirk mm-hmm. and McCoy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apparently, one of only two times that Kirk is kind of referenced as James. Mm. I almost put that in the trivia, but it seemed too unfair. The other time was by Abraham Lincoln. Hmm. What's this episode about? Um, I think I think um, Steve and I are going to have a little bit of a hard time. At least I had a little bit of a hard time kind of saying what this episode is about. Um, yeah, I'd be making up something. I mean, you know, it's, it's hard. I mean, you know, I don't know. It's, um, negotiating is tough. I don't know. I mean, you know, they could have been trying to, you know, with the whole, the, the, this culture and how, you know, she's resigned to die. She doesn't even want her child and all that. And then by the end, she has the child and they're going forward and they, you know, I don't know. They, they could they could have moved, they could have done something like women's rights, or something. you know, working through, you know, adapting to changes and all this kind of stuff. But I don't, I don't think it was solid enough to say that's really what the, what it ended up being about. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I don't really have anything. Well, by the definition of our show, maybe that's an episode that this is an episode that doesn't hold up so well. I would probably agree with that. It doesn't help that it's right next to Journey. But what are you going to do? Who wrote this one, Steve? Uh, this is DC Fontana. Didn't she write Journey to Babel? Well, that's what I show here. That's if nutty. This is accurate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. It could have been that she was rewritten or something. You never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got got rushed or they had time constraint. They're like, okay, we got to shoot something. Let's shoot this. I know she wrote Journey to Babel because she's talked about that many times that that was her favorite Mm -hmm. episode of any script that she wrote. Hmm. All right, let's do Six Degrees for Friday's Child. Oh, gosh. I put a 60s TV question on here because I couldn't resist. Uh, Steve, do you want that one or do you want the more Star Trek? type question. Sure, I'll, I'll go for it. All right. Julie Newmar plays Aline, the pregnant woman who sort of maybe respects Dr. McCoy. She was more famous in the 1960s for playing what television character? Catwoman. Very good, very good. Did You you probably saw that question coming as soon as I said 60s TV, huh? Well, that's what I figured. It, was, it could have been something more obscure. I don't know. <laughs> that would have been, would have been funny. <laughs> she was briefly seen for three seconds in some show. For, you know, a TV boy. show that was never aired. <laughs> uh, Adam Kirk Raymond plays Durr, the Capellan warrior that really doesn't want Kirk touching that woman's food. He will let her play he will later play a cloud guard in the third season in what episode? Oh, I know I know the episode that you're talking about. I have no idea mm. what the name of the episode. Cloud Atlas. No, kidding. I I don't know the name of the episode. That's actually close. You're just one word off. <laughs> cloud City? Wait, that's another that's another series. <laughs> yeah. Um, um Cloud in the heavens? I don't know. Go ahead, Steve. The, the cloud minders? You're correct. So Steve has three. Adam has one. Moving on. The Deadly Years, Season 2, Episode 12, Production Code 040. Original air date, December 8th, 1967. Directed by Joseph Pevney, written by David P. Harmon. Music composed by Saul Kaplan and Fred Steiner. Guest cast include Charles Drake as Commodore Stocker, Carolyn Nelson as Yeoman Atkins, Sarah Marshall as Dr. Janet Wallace, 
Laura Wood as Elaine Johnson, Felix Loker as Robert Johnson, Beverly Washburn as Lieutenant Arlene Galway, Roger Holloway as Lieutenant Limley, Eddie Paskey as Lieutenant Leslie, and Frank Da Vinci as Lieutenant Brent. The Enterprise is ferrying Commodore Stoker to his new command at Starbase 10 and makes a stop at the planet Gamma Hydra to resupply the research station there. A landing party consisting of Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Scotty, Chekhov, and Lieutenant Galloway beams down to the facility. Once there, they find the station completely empty and no personnel are seen. This is bizarre since Kirk spoke to the station's leader, Robert Johnson, an hour earlier. Exploring further, Ensign Chekhov discovers the body of a man who apparently has died of old age and panics. Captain Kirk is suffering from a a peculiar physical degeneration which strongly resembles aging. Is not his mental capacity degenerating even more rapidly? The Deadly Years. Uh, Everybody remembers this episode. Um, As we record this, Adam, you said you think this is Shatner's, like, 85th birthday? I believe this, it is. I, I thought I saw that on Facebook. It's either today or this week. It's certainly this month. Something like that. Yeah, it'd be 85. It's Happy birthday, that, William. Yes. It's funny that we know... Ex- exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that we know exactly what Shatner is like at 85. Or 86, whichever he is. And he's nothing like the old man in this episode. Because no. the real Shatner is way more active. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's got way more energy. This is interesting trivia. We learn he's 34 here. He specifically yes. says he's 34. Not too far. I think Shatner in real life was maybe 36 or so. Yeah, when they, yeah. probably. Because I think he was 35 when they started. So it is kind of like just the just the, the setup in general. You know, you see these these old people at the beginning. I'm 29. I'm 27. And then it's like dramatic, dramatic music. Horror <laughs> of horrors. They're old. Oh, <laughs> what is it like? <laughs> Like the Hollywood version, you know, useless. You're old, so you're useless. You know, there's there's kind of a this episode maybe a little bit too often goes in that direction. Well, it certainly does a lot of stereotype, you know, old things with the kind of the forgetfulness and the bobbling around and acting. You know, it's all the all the behaviors are a bit over the top. You know. Oh, and another very confusing thing though is um, this Commodore isn't evil. What's his game? That's yeah. what I was thinking. He is inept. There's two yeah, nice. He's inept. Okay, fine. of course. Yes, yeah, it's got to be something. But he doesn't seem to be evil. Mm-hmm. So I, something's up. Maybe he's not really human. It's it's a fake out or something. Well, he's not an a hole. Let's put it that way. He's a nice idiot. <laughs> Adam, what else do you think about this episode? You know. I really wanted to like this episode because I think they could have said something about, I think they could have said something important about age and how you age and how that doesn't have to be like what they portrayed it in this episode. I think kind of maybe it was just the times. It was just a different um, view of old people. I think if maybe if you, you had this episode today, it might take a different turn. Like I said, I tried to like this episode up until like the, you know, the hearing where, you know, they were, you know, going to remove him from a command, which I found that whole scene kind of painful because basically they were just saying everything that happened in the episode 
over to us that we had to watch before and it wasn't much fun <laughs> watching it the first time it definitely wasn't much fun watching them tell us what happened well it's made all the worse because that whole sequence feels like 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 nobody's working the actual problem we're, we're yeah, just exactly. we're wasting our time on this bullcrap you know when mm-hmm. we've got people massively aging like three, 30 years or a day, or what does he say, something like that? Like, you're yeah. going to be dead in a matter of hours. I think you would be more worried about fixing this and figuring out what's going on than mm-hmm. you would wasting all this time in the... So what, have they spent, like, what, five to ten minutes in that scene, and you're just like... And it's nothing new, nothing new <laughs> comes out of it. They just, like, repeat everything that's happened in the episode. There's no... Like, like I said, I was upset because I thought they really could have done something. They really could have said something about this episode. But at the, end, at the end of this, when we talk about it, basically what I feel like they were saying in this episode is when you get old, you become stupid. So, and useless. And useless. And, yeah, you become or useless. Or pity, uh, you know, yeah. And which kind of makes me, which kind of upsets me because that's not Star Trek. Um, right. Me, it's, right. It's kind of the opposite. And, um, so, I don't know, I... I I was very disappointed in this episode because I thought it could have been really, it could have been really good and it could have really said something interesting and important and it just didn't. It's also weird that when Scotty ages, it just looks like he's been in a snowstorm. (laughs) (laughs) And he's really drunk or something, you know, like he just kind of sits there and doesn't do anything. He's like half asleep and, and gray <laughs> and uh, yeah I, you know one of the funny things i thought was kind of an odd thing was the very brief montage of chemistry activity <laughs> kind of midway later in it it's like we need to do something about this let's make this thing and so you get like <laughs> 10 seconds of montage of beakers and <laughs> the people working on computers and then it moves on and it's odd another thing that annoyed me you had Chekhov, who was annoyed by taking these tests his friends are dying and yet he's annoyed about being tested I mean, there's no, yeah, there's no sense sense here. It's kind of like someone should have said, all right, Spock's Agent Solar, let's get him a command check off. You need to be on doing something important, you know. Instead, let's have him on treadmills and let's have a hearing, you know. And then have him complain about it on the bridge, you know. It's funny that this episode is still so memorable. We all remember, like, old Kirk and old... Mm-hmm. Sure. Older McCoy, and we remember that somehow. I don't think this episode is... Bad. I, 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 oh, I, like I said, I really didn't like it by the end. I'll, although I'll give it some credit, the visual, the new visual effects that they had in it were pretty cool with all the, I, you know, the, <laughs> the four um, Romulan ships attacking the Enterprise at once. Yeah, it's yeah. Cool to see. That was neat. I, I will say there was one thing that we don't usually see, uh, and that's, I think that Shatner's chemistry with that woman is awful. And I don't think it's bad. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Yeah. And it's not Shatner's fault. Let's face it. Um, she's she's. I'm sure she's fine and all, but she's just she's. No, they have no chemistry, at all. And we we are so used to seeing good chemistry because, you know, you've got casting people making good choices on a good show like this, and if nothing all else fails, usually just good performances can maybe get you by a little bit. But no, their their chemistry is awful. So, I I feel nothing. Every time she speaks with him. Well, I think too that he's behaving so differently. It's so it's so far gone. It's like he's not being his usual charming self. Just kind of like I've got to act grumpy, you know, like a grumpy old man here and do this. And I can't be charming. Well, that takes half half of the equation out, you know. And the funny thing about this whole episode, I guess they make that point in the end. I mean, even though Kirk was forgetful in the episode, he was still right about his actions, about what he was trying to do and accomplish. <laughs> So it just made it just odd. It's like, okay, yeah, he's being forgetful, but I mean, 
being forgetful isn't being negligent. So I just, uh, you know, he, they should have had him like almost kill somebody or something to make it really. <laughs> and and back, back to the chemistry or lack thereof with those two, isn't it an odd thing to do where he kind of makes the point of, oh, I see you're just interested in me because we know how your history of liking older <laughs> yeah. guys. It's such an odd <laughs> yeah. thing out of nowhere to throw in here. I, you know, I, I thought of when I was thinking, and I, I might be totally off here. Listeners, feel free to email me about this. But I was thinking about like, was there a thing like did that used to be a thing? decades ago you know where older men were with younger women more it was a more common thing if you look at just you know cinema or something you see a lot more evidence of bigger age gaps or in the past now how reflecting that was of society and reality i i might have to do some more research but yeah you see that in older movies there's a lot more examples of bigger age gaps and the man's always older so uh, Adam does not like this episode. Steve, do you? I mean, are you? I'd say below average. I'm not gonna say it's awful. Yeah, I'd say it's a bit below average. It's we all agree it's the weakest of of the three today. Yeah, I, yeah. Okay. I think. Um, Friday's <clears throat> Friday's child for me. I think I mostly just the first whatever 15 minutes, 20 minutes. After that, I'm I'm a lot more okay with it once they get out of that village and stuff. Deadly Years. Deadly Years is weird because I think I just feel a, a little bit of affection for it because I, because even when you're you're young, the first time you see it, mm-hmm. you just I I just remember seeing old Kirk. Yeah. In this episode somehow, um, and because that image stuck with me, I guess I feel a tiny bit of affection for this episode, even if it's demonstrably, uh, objectively not as solid. Mm-hmm. Well, let's do what it's about, because it sounds like Adam in particular is going to tell us this episode is almost uh, offensive by today's standards. <laughs> well, I, I just, what I said earlier, I just think it's it, it's contrary to what it should have been about. It should have been, it should have questioned age and how we age. And, you know, and it's, I think it's appropriate. I don't, I don't think it's inappropriate to talk about age and talking about how, you know, you lose a step or you might lose your memory or something like that. But I think they just took this to... Um, an extreme. It would have been interesting if Kirk could have saved the day, even as an old man. There you go. Yes, well, that yeah would have helped. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think that's the problem here, is if I had to come up with someone that's about it, it's not, it's not a good thing. It, it's like, it's trying to reinforce that, yeah, look, you know, you know, get older and you're just going to get in the way, so just kind of get out of the way. I don't know. It, it's... Yeah, and I mean, I, I think it's kind of weird because, like I was saying before, I mean, you know, Kirk was still making the right decisions. He just forgot he signed something, you know, his memory was just was just off, but he was still making the right decisions about what to do. So, I don't know, it's just kind of, it was a weird, and then, like I said, they went into that whole scene where they had to take command away from him just because he couldn't remember a couple of things. I don't know. Like I said, I think it just had a counter. I think it. I think it has something to say. It's just counterintuitive to what it should have been saying, and what kind of Star Trek is supposed to say. Gosh, that's pretty rare for us to say that. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of another episode of Star Trek in the years we've been doing this podcast that we that that conclusion was reached. I'm having trouble. You know, I, I, how much of this is just the time in which it was made? That's that's not a very fair. Excuse. I mean, I mean, it holds up, though. I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, in the 60s, there might have been a little bit different view about older people. I mean, 
you know, there's definitely different views about women in these in these episodes. Think about this, what was going on in the '60s. You had uh, civil rights movements, and we've so we, there are certainly plenty of episodes that deal with race in the original series, and we're going to get more. I'm trying to think, just at least in the United States, culturally. I'm just saying that maybe as a as a culture, we didn't start to realize that we were ages you know, treating old yeah treating old people is so disposably i mean it's it's still a problem obviously the way people uh treat old people and you know i i don't i don't i don't feel like the writers of this episode when it, like they were trying to portray that message you know i don't think that was the point i think it's just a byproduct of you know uh, not being particularly enlightened about the issues of ageism at that time, and they just kind of had nothing to say, and so it kind of just defaulted. I mean, if there if there was a if there was at the very least something to say that was outside the notion of everyone's aging in a way, and we got to solve this problem, maybe this wouldn't be such a big thing. But because there's an absence of another message, it's just kind of like all you all you can fixate on. It'd be, it'd be the equivalent of if you had, you know, we've seen plenty of sexism stuff in some of these episodes. You know, it's like, oh wow, you know what they said and how they behaved towards that, you know, what they implied, that kind of stuff. Well, if you if those episodes had nothing to say and they were chock full of that kind of stuff, you know, you you might be tempted to say, oh well, this is about uh, sexist behavior and we can treat women poorly and they don't get all the opportunities and et cetera, et cetera. In addition to that way of looking at it and 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 making it feel like this ageism stands out talking about sexism okay but we've also got plenty of episodes with strong female leads right here in the original series you know we have yeah women that are a lot more than just sex objects frequently on this show right uh, we we never get some old person who who gets treated the way that we're talking about they deserve to be treated right right you know, and I, I think what Steve mentioned earlier, you know, I don't think it would have made it a good episode, but it might have just saved what the episode was about. If it was an old Kirk who actually saved the ship, you know, that might have that might have helped with the message of this episode. But I, I, I don't I agree with Steve. I don't think it was, you know, this was the message that they intended to get out there. But um, it's inevitably I kind of feel like that's what ended up happening You know, sometimes. Sometimes that happens when you're creating art and things of that nature. You sometimes unintentionally send the wrong message. All right, let's do six degrees for the deadly years. Steve has three, Adam has one. Adam? Yes. Laura Wood plays Elaine Johnson, the old woman at the beginning that shouldn't be so old. This happened to her as a different character. In the first season, thanks to mean old Charlie. Name the episode. Oh, crap. Oh, I can't remember the name of the episode. Have at it, Steve. It's going to be a landslide today. <laughs> Charlie X. Yeah. Steve, the Gamma Hydra Sector and Neutral Zone Crossing takes place in this episode, but it also takes place in a simulated way at the beginning of the Wrath of Khan. But the Romulans do not attack who does? Klingons. Should I even say that score out? Well, it was not a shutout. It was not a shutout. I, always, I got my one, so I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> Getting closer and closer to a discovery. They're mm-hmm. well into shooting them. I, I'm, I'm like looking at every little non-spoilery picture I can get my hands on. They put up anything. <laughs> Here's a picture of a clapboard. I'm like, oh, <laughs> what's it say? I like on the it? Cast. What does it say? 
Yeah, the cast is exciting. It's very cool. The Captain Cat, and you know, that was pretty cool. I mean, I, I would, he's he's a great villain, that guy, but it, I think he'll make an interesting captain. Yeah, absolutely. But it'll be interesting. I'm I'm really curious how they're going to play it because, like I said, the first officer is the lead in this in this series, so it'll be interesting how they do this. All right, folks, uh, you can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. If you are so inclined, you can go to uh, iTunes and leave us a review. That is how people find us, and we really appreciate that. So thank you for spending an hour with us. And we will be back in two weeks with the next three episodes of the original series' second season. And until then, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. I passed it.